Spirit would guide me, that your Holy Spirit would come upon me, Lord, that your Spirit would help me uh, to be a blessing to these dear people. And Lord, I ask that tonight would not be just another night that we're in church, Lord, but I, I, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, and that, that there might be uh, growth and that there might be uh, a life change, Lord, today, that we might see something maybe in a different light or a different perspective. We love you, Lord, in your precious name, I pray. Amen. All right, well, if you're there in Hebrews chapter number 11, you can make your way back to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Ephesians for a little bit, but just to kind of recap and, and catch you up, we've been preaching through Hebrews chapter 11, known as the Hall of Faith, and it, the different Bible characters who exercise great faith in their uh, life. And if you remember, we started the series just with a sermon on faith and what faith is and what it means to have faith and the fact that the opposite of faith is fear. And whenever we fear something, it's because we're not exercising faith in our lives. And then we started going through the different characters. And if you remember, we talked about the faith of Abel, and that represented for us uh, the faith for salvation. Then we saw the faith of Enoch, and that represented the faith faith for sanctification. And then we saw Noah, how he moved with fear uh, and prepared an ark to the saving of his house, and that represented the faith for soul winning. Last week, we saw how it said Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out. Not knowing whether he went. And we saw how that represented the faith for separation. And tonight we're kind of continuing with the idea of separation. And we're looking at the faith of a pilgrim. And the subject is still about Abraham. uh, But we're going to look at it a little more closely. But before we can get into Hebrews 11. I want you to notice a few things in Ephesians chapter number 2. If you're back to Ephesians chapter 2. If you look at verse number 12. I want you to understand. When you... God saved, and I'm assuming that everyone here tonight is saved. If you're not saved, you say, I don't know for sure. If I died today, I would go to heaven. You do not have to live that way. God wants you to have assurance and know that you're on your way to heaven. And the Bible is very clear of that by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting Him alone, not your own good works, not any of that. But if you're saved tonight, what you need to understand is that Jesus Christ made you, and God made you, a fellow citizen of heaven at the time of your salvation. Are you there in Ephesians chapter 2? Look at verse number 2. I want you to notice your state before you came to Christ. The Bible says that at that time, what time? The time before your salvation. He says that at that time, ye were without Christ. There was a time in everybody's life. None of us are born Christians. None of us are born saved. There was a time in everybody's life when we were without Christ. And notice what it says. Being aliens, the word alien there, you heard of like like, like an uh, an alien. the, The word is not talking about people from Mars. The word is just talking about like a foreigner, someone from a different country, you know. Uh, And it says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. So we we know that Israel are God's chosen people. We know that Israel is the household of God. And it says, there was a time when we were without Christ, and we were aliens from the commonwealth of of Israel. And, notice this word, strangers. Now the word strangers is not talking about someone that's weird. Again, the same word comes from the word foreigner. It's talking about someone who's, you know, in our uh, society we would look at a, uh, at a foreigner, someone from a different country. That's what the word stranger means. And it says, and strangers from the covenant of promise. So, we were without Christ. We were aliens or foreigners from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers. We were foreigners or foreign to the covenant of promises. Notice what it says. This, is, this was our state before salvation. Having no hope and without God in the world. And by the way, if you are without God, you are without hope. 
And that's what we where we were before salvation. We were without Christ. We were without hope. We were without God. We were strangers. We were foreigners to everything that had to do with God. But notice what Jesus, what happened in the, your state when you got saved. Verse 13 says, but now... But now, in Christ Jesus, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you are a believer, if you are saved, He says, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off. See, you got to understand, before salvation, we were, uh, we were separated, we were afar off from having a relationship, and we, we were not, we did not have a communication or a relationship with God. And the Bible says, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, notice what he says, are made nigh. The word nigh means now. You used to be afar off. Now you can come close. You are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And that's what salvation does for us. It reconciles us to God. We were separated by our trespasses and sins. But the blood of Jesus Christ allows you and I to draw nigh to God. Look at verse 14. For He is our peace. This is, this is what Christ did for you. He gave you peace. For He is our peace, who hath made both one. Now, I don't have time to go into, into, this, into this passage, and I'm sure I'll be preaching a sermon on this sometime soon in, in the very near future. But here, he's actually talking about Israel and, and the Gentile nation. He's talking about how Gentiles were brought into the same covenant and promises of the nation of Israel. And that's what the passage is dealing with. That's not really what I'm focusing on tonight, but I just want you to understand this as we continue reading. He says, For He is our peace, who hath made both one. And today there are people that, you know, they, they'll mock our type of Christianity and they'll say, you, are, you believe in replacement theology. And they'll say, you believe that, the, that, the, that, the, that uh, New Testament believers have taken the place of Old, Old Testament Israel. And today there are many churches and many even Baptist churches who teach a doctrine called dispensationalism. And they'll say, there is no connection between Gentile believers and Old Testament Israel. But the Bible says very clearly here, the Bible says, he's talking, if you look at the context, he's talking about Israel. Israel and Gentiles, and he says, who hath made both, talking about both nations, or both groups of people, he says, who hath made both one. So see, according to the Bible, the Jews know better than us. We are, we all, the Bible says, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male or female. We all come to Christ through, we all come to God through Jesus Christ. He says, who hath made both one, and hath broken, this is what Jesus did for us, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There used to be a wall of separation that would keep us from being able to unite with the promises and the covenant of Israel, and would keep us from being able to have fellowship or be reconciled unto God. But Jesus, He broke down that wall, allowed us, verse uh, 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself, notice, for to make in himself of twain, the word twain means two, of two, one new man. So see, he took two people, Old Testament Israel, New Testament Gentiles, and he made of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might, notice, reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came, this is what Jesus did for you, and preached peace to you which were afar off. You were without Christ. You were without hope. You were without God. You were an alien, and he came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are, notice this, no more strangers and foreigners. Do you understand that? 
He says, you used to be a stranger. He says, you used to be a foreigner. He says, you used to not be allowed to come near. You used to be a far off. But when Jesus came, He broke down the partition. He reconciled us unto God. He said, you used to be a foreigner. You used to be a stranger. You used to not be allowed. But in verse 19, He says, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. But notice what you are now. Fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. You gotta understand, at salvation, you became a fellow citizen. You became a citizen of heaven, of the commonwealth of Israel, of the people of God. God became your God. You became His child. And you are no longer a foreigner. You are no longer a stranger. You are now a citizen. Now that should be a blessing, and that should be exciting to all of us. But there's a problem that comes with that. I want you to, you can lose your place here in Ephesians. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And I just want you to see this kind of by way of introduction. 1 Peter chapter number 2. I'm excited that I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm excited that, that, that I have a one-way ticket to the promised land in heaven, to the glory of God, because I am a citizen and a, a fellow citizen, a saint of the household of God. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 9 continues this same idea. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says this. But ye, and he's talking to Gentile believers. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. You see that? We have become a nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10. Which in time past were not a people. That's you and I. But are now the people of God. Which had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Look at verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you. Now notice this. As strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now the word stranger, like I told you, means foreigner. Someone not belonging to the place or group. The word pilgrim means a traveler or someone on a journey. Now you may be asking yourself this question. Hold on, Pastor Manus. You just got done explaining to us that we were strangers and we were foreigners and we weren't reconciled to God. And then Jesus came and broke down the wall of partition and reconciled us unto God. And we were afar off. We were without Christ. We were without God. We were without hope. Now we have hope. Now we have peace. Now we have God. Now we have Christ. Now we're fellow citizens. But you got to understand this. You see, there's no, when it comes to Christianity, there's no such thing as dual citizenship. You used to be a citizen of the world. And when you got saved, your citizenship got transferred to heaven. And you immediately became an illegal immigrant on earth. Look at verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as, he says, you're no longer a citizen of earth. He said, he said, you're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. You're a called out uh, people. You're, you're, you're holy. And he says, which in times past, you were not a people. You were not a people, but are now the people of God. And he says, look, now you're a citizen. Now you're the people of God. But you got to understand that. With the coming of being a people of God, now you are a stranger and a pilgrim here on earth. Go to Hebrews chapter number 11, look at verse 13. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 15. you got to understand this before you can get into the, the, the sermon tonight. You need to understand, the moment you got saved, you got your green card for heaven. But you immediately were turned into a foreigner on earth. 
And because we are on earth, the Bible says we are pilgrims because we are on a journey on earth. Are you there in Hebrews chapter number 11? Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed. Everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ confesses that they were strangers and pilgrims, notice what it says, on the earth. You are a foreigner. You are a pilgrim. You're on a journey here on earth. You're not from here. You don't belong here. You are just here temporarily. You are passing through. And the Bible begins, I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and there's a lot of debate about that. But in this passage, as we begin to see the faith of Abraham, the faith of a pilgrim, we, we're going to learn two truths tonight of how it is to live like a pilgrim. Because you got to understand this. You are, God calls you a stranger and a pilgrim on earth. You're a citizen of heaven. But you're a stranger and a pilgrim on earth. And there are two lessons that we can look at in this passage in regards to... If I'm a pilgrim, then how do I live like a pilgrim? If I'm a pilgrim, then how am I supposed to live on this earth as a pilgrim? Look at verse 9. <coughs> Hebrews chapter number 11, excuse me. Verse 9. I want you to notice just two things tonight in regards to being a pilgrim. Hebrews 11.9 says, By faith... This is talking about Abraham. He sojourned in the land of promise. Notice this. As in a strange country. Do you see that? So he sojourned in Canaan land, in the land of promise. But he acted like he was in a foreign country. As in a strange country. Now you say, how does a pilgrim act in a strange country? Remember, a pilgrim is someone on a journey. A pilgrim is someone who's just passing through. A pilgrim is someone who's, who, who's just getting from point A to point B. I'm here temporarily. I'm just passing through. So what does a pilgrim do when he's traveling? Number one, I want you to understand this. A pilgrim does not settle. A pilgrim does not settle. Look at verse 9 again. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Now don't miss this phrase. Dwelling in tabernacles. The word dwelling means living in. He was living in tabernacles. The word tabernacle means a tent. With Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. What we can learn about Abraham in regards to the faith of a pilgrim is this. Abraham left the earth of the Chaldees. Remember last week we talked about the fact by faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a land which he should have to receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went God said Abraham I want you to leave the country Abraham I want you to leave your family Abraham I want you to leave everything you know everyone you know and Abraham says where do you want me to go God and God says to Abraham just head out and I'll tell you when you get there and Abraham started his journey and he started traveling and he started going but you got to understand this Abraham did not know where he was going Abraham did not know when his journey would be ended Abraham did not know by which way God would take him he, that's why it was faith he stepped out because faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen Abraham had no clue when he would arrive at his destination so whenever Abraham went somewhere here's, he, here's what he didn't do he didn't show up in a place and he said alright guys well let's get to work we gotta build a house first thing we gotta do is build some you know we gotta dig some holes we gotta lay a foundation for this house we gotta put down some 2 by 4s and put some cement in and we gotta get some nails and we gotta, we gotta build a structure we gotta get some bricks and we gotta, we gotta build a house Abraham didn't do that you know why? He didn't know how long he was going to be there. But he knew this. He wasn't, that wasn't his land. 
He was just a stranger. He was just a pilgrim. He was just... So here's what he did. He didn't settle down anywhere. Everywhere he went, he put up a tent. Because a tent is easy to put up and easy to put down. And he never settled down. And see, God never commanded His people to settle down. Even when they went in, remember Joshua brought them into the promised land. God never commanded them to build cities. Remember, they were to take cities that were already built. They were to take houses that they did not build. They were to take vineyards that they did not plant. God has never purposed for His people to settle down here on earth. Because you understand, we are in this earth nothing but pilgrims. Go to, go to John chapter 17, just real quickly. Hebrew figure there in Hebrews uh, 19. Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 and go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. You say, how does a pilgrim act? How does a good pilgrim, how does a good journeyer act? Here's how a pilgrim acts. He does not settle. He does not settle down. He doesn't put his roots down because he knows it's temporary. Because he's not there. you got to understand this. This world is not our home. Are you there in John 17? Look at verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. This is actually Jesus praying for us. John 17, 14 says this, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Notice, the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. So, no, you know, today sometimes people say, Pastor God, is, this world is so wicked, this world is so evil, I know what we gotta do. We gotta go buy a hundred acres in Idaho somewhere, and we're gonna build walls, and we're gonna get in there, and there's not gonna be anything wicked in there, and there's a, look, that, that's a cold. Okay, we are, you know, I, I'm all for separation. I'm all for throwing your television out the window. I'm all for living a righteous life. I'm all for living a holy life. We preach it here. You, you're not going to find a church that preaches harder on sin in Sacramento than Verity Baptist Church. But let me tell you something. The Bible says, Jesus himself said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. You know why? Because the most important thing you and I could do is be a testimony and a witness to this world and preach the gospel to unbelievers. And it's hard to do that when we're in a combine somewhere, hundreds of miles away from people with walls up that doesn't allow us to reach anybody. You understand that? That's why we're not Amish. That's why we're not Mennonites. That's why we're not... We, we are to be a light to this world. He said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Notice verse 16. They are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I just don't feel at home in this world anymore. And that's how you and I should live. We should live very detached from this world. And see, the problem with Christianity today is that we act like this world is it. We act like, we get so settled down, and look, I'm all for buying, you you buy a house, and you buy cars, and you get a job, and you do well. Obviously, we live our lives in this world. But let me tell you something, our mentality ought to be a mentality of pilgrims. Our mentality ought to be a mentality that we're not settling down. This is not my final abode. I am just on a pilgrim. I am just on a journey. I am just traveling through. This isn't my home. I'm not from here. One day I'm going home. That's why the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father. But it's of the world. How do you live like a pilgrim? A pilgrim does not settle. A pilgrim does not make this world his final abode. And see, 
So often you and I will live our lives as if all that matters is what happens in this lifetime. But a pilgrim doesn't live that way. A pilgrim, number one, does not settle. But you need to understand this about a pilgrim also. Go to Hebrews chapter number 11. A pilgrim is always seeking. A pilgrim is always seeking. Are you there in Hebrews 11? Look at verse 10. Hebrews 11 and verse 10, the Bible says... Hebrews 11, 10, I'll give you... I'll wait a second for you to get there because I want you to see it. Hebrews 11, chapter, chapter number 11, verse 10. Hebrews 11, 10 says this, For he, notice this word, looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was not impressed. Abraham was not looking at Egypt, at the nations of the Canaan land. He was not looking at their cities. He was traveling. People would say, Abraham, why don't you get comfortable? Abraham, why don't you build yourself a house? Why don't you build yourself a barn? Why don't you put up a fence? Why don't you stop living in that tent? And he said, well, this isn't the place I'm looking for. This isn't what God has called me. He looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, these all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having, keep this, look look at this word, having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were uh, strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Look at verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they, notice this word, seek a country. When you think about what happens... After this life. Because see, our journey will end when we get to heaven. Our journey will end. Abraham was looking for a physical promised land that God was going to give him. And God uses that as an illustration of your life. But you and I are not looking for a physical promised land. We're looking for a heavenly city. And you got to understand this. Our journey will end when we take our last breath on earth. And we take our first breath in heaven. And we get to that city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And when you think about what happens after this life, it keeps things in perspective for you. Go to Romans chapter number 8, just real quickly. Romans chapter 8. A pilgrim always is seeking. And you've got to understand this. It is very, very, very easy to get distracted. It's very easy to get discouraged. It's very easy to get distressed. And I'm here to tell you, most Christians don't, make it to the end of their lives being faithful. I'll I'll just be honest with you. We were at a conference this last week, my wife and I, and I I heard a statistic that said 9 out of 10 pastors, I mean, listen to what I'm saying, 9 out of 10 pastors do not make it in the ministry. They quit for discouragement, morality issues. They don't make it. It's very easy to quit on God. But see, when you live your life very detached from this world, realizing this is a journey, this is temporary, this is not how I'm going to live for the rest of my life. And when you live your life seeking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. When you keep your eyes on eternity and on the fact that one day I'm going to die, I'm going to leave this earth, I'm going back home, it will help you deal with the struggles of life. Are you there in Romans chapter 8? Look at verse 18. Romans 8.18 says this, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul, see, Paul, Paul was beaten. 
was shipwrecked. He went through all sorts of trials. But as a pilgrim, he understood, this is not the end. This is not where I'm living. I'm going home one day. And he realized, he said, the sufferings of this present world, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory. But see, often you and I get our eyes off of the fact, and we, and we start living like this world is all we have. And things don't go well in this world, and they don't go well in this life, and we get discouraged. But a pilgrim is always seeking a better country. A pilgrim is not settling down. Go to James chapter 4. You're there in Hebrews, the very next verse is James, uh, chapter, uh, book is James chapter 4. James chapter 4. When you keep your eyes on eternity, it makes the sufferings of this world look pretty small. That's right. Now, I'm not minimizing what we go through in life. It's hard. It's difficult. It's hard to have people talk behind your back. It's hard to have people criticize you. It's hard to, you know, love people and miss their people and then have them call you and curse you out on the phone because now because they, you know, no, no, no longer believe in salvation by grace of faith. You know, it's hard to go through that. But when we realize that this world, it's not our home. It's temporary. Notice, are you there, James? Chapter 4, look at verse 14. James 4, 14. The Bible says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Notice what he says. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. See, we live on this earth 70, 80, 90 years. Maybe if you got good genes, 100 years, 105 years. But you know, compared to eternity, it's just a vapor. It's just temporary. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. And that's why on this world, we're just pilgrims. It's just temporary. I don't need to settle down. I don't need to build a house. I can live in a temporary tabernacle. Why? Because this world is not my home. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 15. The reason Christians quit. The reason Christians drop out of the race. The reason people don't make it is because we're very lousy pilgrims. We start looking around at the things of this world, and we get caught up in the things of this world, and when you start thinking enough about your life in this world, it'll make you want to go back to your life of this world. Before you were saved. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 11? Look at verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful, talking about if they, if they were constantly thinking of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You want to be very careful with your thought life. You, he's, it's interesting that he says, if they had been mindful. Do you see that? you got to understand this. Nobody wakes up one day, after being married for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 3 years, nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think that today I'm going to commit adultery. Nobody says that. You think about it. You think about it. You think about it. You think about it. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think that today, I think today, I am 42 years old and I've never tried heroin. <laughs> I think I'm going to go try heroin. It doesn't happen that way. Major sins and major problems in our lives don't happen just because one day we wake up and say, well, I'm having a midlife crisis today. It happens because we allow our minds to think about things. And the Bible says, for I, the Bible says, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. See, people that go back to the world, people that go back to their old lifestyle, people that go back to their old habits and their old addictions, it didn't just happen overnight. They, they were thinking about that for a while. Go to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. 
Luke chapter 9 and verse number 62. Luke chapter 9 verse 62. The Bible says that we are to bring our thoughts into captivity. A good pilgrim does not settle down on this earth. A good pilgrim does not set its roots down in this earth. A good pilgrim... See, you got to understand this. There, there are Christians today... Joel Osteen wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. And let me tell you something. If this world is our best life, then, then heaven's going to be lousy. See, a good Christian does not think, I'm going to get the most fun, the most pleasure, the most just the, everything I can get out of this world, I'm going to get this world. Because a good pilgrim thinks there is a world to come. And they realize that taking up your cross, denying yourself in this world, will lead to great pleasures and great glory in the next world. But a Christian that's just thinking about this world, and thinking about their old life, and thinking about the things of this world, hey, then truly they might have had opportunities to have return. Jesus said this, Luke 9.62, And Jesus said unto him, Luke 9.62, And Jesus said unto him, No man... Having put his hand to the plow, talking about a person going into the ministry of Jesus Christ, someone talking about someone that wants to serve God, they, they get in it. They said, I'm going to do it. Notice this. No man having put his hand to the plow, notice, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, if you're going to live for God, if you're going to live like the stranger and the pilgrim that God has called you to be, you've got to quit looking back. You've got to quit looking at the old world. I'm reminded of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I remember when the angels came to Sodom and they told Lot, Lot, you need to leave Sodom. And they said, don't look back, Lot, don't look back. And what happened? His wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. That's right. See, a Christian that is honestly trying to walk and live like a pilgrim does not settle and is always seeking. Because no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Go back to Hebrews chapter number 11. Look at verse number 16. Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 16. you got to understand this. The only way to live a life that is pleasing to God is to live a life that is constantly seeking the world to come. Are there in Hebrews chapter 11? Look at verse 16. But now, they desire, those are their thoughts, a better country. That is in heavenly. Wherefore, now don't, I want you to make note of that word, wherefore. The word wherefore means for this reason, or because of this. Because of what? Because now they desire a better country. Because now their minds and their thoughts are on a better country. What country? That is in heavenly. Because now, you know, I, I've heard people say, you know, before, you, you, you hear people say, actually, we heard somebody in the conference make this, made this statement, I thought it was interesting. You know, in the past I've heard people say, oh, that person, you know, they, they, they mock people that are spiritual and they say, they are so, he-, you know, they're too heavenly for any earthly good. But that, that makes absolutely no sense. Because the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you can do. Because... The people that are desiring a better country that is in heavenly. Notice what it says. It says, wherefore, it says, because of this reason, God, I don't want you to miss this phrase because it's very interesting. God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he had prepared for them a city. God says, if you desire a better country, then that will produce the type of Christianity Wherefore, or because of this reason, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Now here's what's interesting about that thought. 
If there are people, if there are Christians, if there are pilgrims that God is not ashamed to be called their God, the reverse of that tells us that there are Christians that God is ashamed to be called their God. You ever thought of that? I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life in a way that, you know, God, you know, when, when, when Satan comes to God, and I want to be the type of person that God says, have you considered my servant Job? I want to be the type of Christian that makes God proud. I don't want Satan to go to God and say, well, have you, what do you think about that Roger Jimenez? And God's like, well, you know, I mean, he's saved, you know, it's by grace, so I got to let him in, but... I don't want to live that way. I want to be the type of Christian that the Bible would say, wherefore, because of this reason, because of the way they live their life, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He had prepared for them a city. But how do you get there? When you desire a better country. When you live your life, it's just like we've been talking this whole time. When you live your life realizing that there's more to this life than just the 70 years that we live on this earth. But there's an eternal perspective to your life. Then denying yourself doesn't seem so hard. Taking up a cross doesn't seem so hard. Suffering, the sufferings of this present world don't seem that hard. When you realize, I'm just on a journey. I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just passing through. But now they desire a better country. That is in heaven. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for they have prepared for them a city. We have a song we sing in our course of the week called, Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. It said, and one of the verses says, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a singing mood, I guess, but it says, uh, And the hope of heaven's glories filled me so, Where I'll live with Christ forevermore, I know. That is why the things of earth I loosely hold. I've eternal riches better far than gold. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Is that how you live your life? Just holding the things of this earth loosely? It's not my life. we we got to understand, my bank account is not my life. The, the car I drive is not my life. My house is not my life. There are things that are temporary. They're just tents. They're tabernacles. They're things we need while we're on the journey. But I am a pilgrim on a journey seeking a better country. This life is just a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. But now they desire a better country. That is in heaven. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. You say, Pastor Jimenez, how do I live as a stranger? How do I live as a pilgrim? Number one, never settle. Don't look at this world like your home. I'm just temporary here. I'm just working here. I, I, this, isn't, this isn't where I'm from. One day I'm leaving this world and always be seeking a better country, a heavenly country. Because it will allow you, when you keep your eyes on eternity, it allows you to put this world in perspective and realize this is short, this is temporary, this is small. I seek a country. I seek a better city. I seek a city whose foundations are and maker is God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church, Lord. And Father, I thank you for these dear people that would take time on their busy schedules to be here. I know it's Father's Day weekend. There's so many other things we could be doing, Lord. But I pray that the sermon will be used in the hearts of these dear people, Lord. Help us to always remember that we are strangers. We are pilgrims. This is temporary. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And Lord, I, I pray that you would bless us, Lord. I pray that you would help us to keep that in perspective. And if we keep our eyes on you... 
then the things of this world will just begin to dim. Their importance will seem so small. Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd bless us. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen.